the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, here we are. It's Sunday again. It is the soundtrack of your Sunday evening. Maybe all of your Sunday backbone radio stepping up to the plate. Matt Dunn here sitting in the catbird seat live local this Sunday, January 21st, 2024. Blake the Man. Back there behind the glass. Man, we've got some cool tunes. Going to spin those tonight. And, oh, yeah, we'll just be talking. I want to know what people are thinking. If you'd be so good as to text in your thoughts or call in your thoughts, 303-696-1971. And, yeah, Trump wins Iowa. Trump crushes Iowa. Record-setting, historic victory in Iowa. He won that race by 30 percentage points and up to the other day when Trump won Iowa. The prior record in a Republican primary had been a Republican winning by 12 points. So so Donald Trump almost doubled, uh, almost tripled, like 2.5 times the prior historic victory for a Republican in Iowa. And I just have to say, yeah, Backbone Radio, you've tuned in to this show that keeps getting constantly vindicated by reality. And we just can't seem to do much about that now, can we? We just can't seem to stop that. It just is sort of how things go out there in reality. They keep on matching what we are saying and so we uh you know we just kind of get used to that and there's all kinds of thoughts and different approaches all across the spectrum but this is one of those moments where wow yeah nailed that one going back oh about well yeah a year a year of our predicting all of this and so meanwhile ron desantis has dropped out dropped out of the race. It did finally happen that DeSantis has made his eggs went. And so he has endorsed Donald Trump on his way out, which I think was a nice little move. I did watch his four and a half minute concession speech, of which we do have some excerpts here. We do indeed. And we'll look through that a little bit and I'll throw it out there. Does anybody want to do uh, sort of some autopsy on the DeSantis campaign? Does anybody want to talk that through a little bit? We might just have to go there a little bit, of course, in a nice, gentle way, because one of the themes right now is that the uh, Republican Party has got to unify, unify around Donald Trump. We've only been calling for this for like uh, since before (laughs) the primary started, but... um, 
Yeah, it's time to unify, and you're starting to see a bunch of folks come forward. Ted Cruz endorses Donald Trump. Tim Scott, South Carolina, endorses Donald Trump. Governor Burgum of North Dakota endorses Trump. And go down the list. Marco Rubio, little Marco, stepped up to endorse Donald Trump. So the endorsements are flowing in. And Iowa, that margin of victory, just crazy in that, you know, Trump didn't spend very much money in Iowa at all. Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis spent tens of millions in Iowa. And uh, what they get in return, pretty measly return on investment there. New Hampshire coming up on Tuesday. And so we'll have to get into how does it look in New Hampshire We've got some excerpts from uh, Trump in New Hampshire, from Nikki Haley in New Hampshire. Nikki Haley, still in this thing. She's talking tough, like she's going to do really well in New Hampshire on Tuesday. I know they're busily trying to get Democrats to cross over and vote for Nikki in New Hampshire. They promoted an ARG poll in New Hampshire that was just way off base, way outside the consensus. Rich Barris was lambasting that poll. But if you add up, and I've got the stacks of stuff, uh, Trump has a very substantial, looks like um, a 19-point lead over Haley in the uh, Boston Globe Suffolk tracking poll in New Hampshire. But they're going to try to, you know, pull some stunts and the usual kind of thing. In New Hampshire, that's what the rhino types do, the America lasters do. We expect this kind of thing. So, But I am expecting a victory decisive for Trump in New Hampshire. And then everything starts shutting down for Nikki Haley. Nikki, open borders, Boeing. Yeah. Somebody made a joke that Nikki Haley was so distraught about her unimpressive, lackluster performance in Iowa that she did order a bombing of Iowa. She ordered a bombing of Iowa. Just kidding. Just so you know, when I'm tongue-in-cheek, sometimes I have to point that out. I don't want things to be taken like literally or literarily or any such like that. Meanwhile, the J6 pillar of establishment power crashing. I've been talking for a while about his crumbling and groaning and creaking, but Some new information has come out about the pipe bombs. Reviewed the videos. Darren Beatty has come out with some stuff. Went on Tucker Revolver.News. Go check out the video. It's approaching uh, how many millions? Millions. It's broken out. It's broken out of the censorship containment. And people are looking at this saying, oh, yeah. The pipe bomb thing. That was, oh, hoaxy, hoax, hoax, hoax. That is. Not just groaning, but that is collapsing, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk about that. The World Economic Forum wrapping up their time in Davos. And their big theme was rebuilding trust. Yes, they want to rebuild trust, and they want to do better with their trusteeship. Uh Uh-huh. The rich global elite types. Paul Ryan went over there. Governor Kemp of Georgia went over there. The usual America last globalist crowd. I believe Nikki's been over there in the past and, uh, you know, hanging out in the corridors of Davos, Switzerland. But who elected Klaus Schwab a trustee? I mean, I don't think so. And I don't think 
I don't think trust is in the cards for that bunch of complete and total chumps and losers. I might offer a few opinions there. You ever think about how uh, there is kind of a Trump curse? You know, enemies of Trump have trouble. Just looking at this headline here, uh, Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin indicted in fatal shooting of cinematographer on Rust Set in New Mexico. Hmm. Not great news for Alec Baldwin. He might not be much of a factor in the 2024 campaign cycle. Then you think about Fannie Willis in Georgia had a great chat with great American Eric about Fannie Willis trying to prosecute Trump down in Georgia. And, oh, I guess she, like, had all kinds of strange stuff going on down there that, oh, oh, bad. Man, that, that is like a complete cluster in Iowa, in, in Georgia. Hey, we'll talk about that a little bit more. I mean, and then you think about, you know, Biden, is that an enemy of of Trump? And, like, he's like the worst president this country has ever had. I mean, is there's something going on here that the, the folks that go super hard against Trump, I mean, like CNN, how many of those folks are still at CNN after all these years of, uh, yeah, kind of flailing? Yeah, we'll go through that a little bit. Um, And... Maybe we don't call it a comeback for Trump. You know, I've called it a comeback, the greatest comeback in American political history. But what if, what if he never went anywhere? What if he was always the guy on top? What, what if there's nothing really to come back from other than essentially fake news, fake narratives, stunts pulled in 2020, J6 narratives and the rest of it? Does that make sense what I'm saying? I don't know if I should call it a comeback. What do you think? Should we call it a comeback or not a comeback? But, oh, folks, Iowa, just, just beautiful victory for Donald Trump. Yeah, DeSantis down. And I might talk a bit about this era of mass delusion we are living in. Maybe I'll do an essay on that somewhere to start us some hour along the way. But I'm just honored and delighted to be in here and bloviate a little bit. America first. Oh, yeah. Be right back. here from the Rolling Stone. I was out watching the kids play tennis at their tennis lessons yesterday morning. Some other tennis players were playing this tune and I thought, I'm bringing it in. Kind of a fun song to play tennis to. And also to hang out with on talk radio, Matt Dunn, Backbone Radio. So glad you're on board. 303-696-1971. What thoughts out there, ladies and gents? 
DeSantis down, down for the count. And I will admit I've been a little, little tough on Ron DeSantis over this past year. I have been critical of his campaign and his decision to even enter the race. And I would submit to you that if DeSantis had listened to humble host Dunn, yours truly, he would have saved himself a lot of grief and would have preserved what, what would have the potential to have been a bright political future and career, but that is all in question now. You have to say that. I mean, that is all in question. That was, that was a bad scene. And some people are saying that it was the worst political campaign they have ever seen run ever, any party, anywhere. Period. And I think that there is something to that. I think it was poorly run from uh, start to finish, from that, that launch on Twitter that failed to launch, and then all the way through. And we can look at it from a few angles. I don't know if anybody has any thoughts of, you know, what did DeSantis do wrong? And I think, I think it's good to at least go through it just a little bit. You know, we've already done so, and we're talking about unifying, rallying around the front runner, as in Donald Trump, the inevitable nominee, the inevitable victor in November 2024. But sometimes, you know, in a venue like this, we can go through some of the things and help learn, help learn from the passing scene. And I will say this, I remember when I figured it out that, yeah, oh, DeSantis is going to run after all that time when he ran for the governor of Florida, you know, and Trump got him over the finish line. But he was always saying, I'm not running for president. I'm not going to do that. Promised the voters of Florida he wasn't going to be running for the presidency. But no, it was in the cars. They had been planning it out, probably going back to at least 2018. Okay, and you can kind of forgive that, maybe, or can you? When people aren't up front about their political plans and their, you know, what they're going to be up to in the future, what they're going to be running for. I mean, that tends to be the kind of stuff that the politicians don't reveal until they want to, until it's the best possible moment for them to do so. But my, my original thinking was this, that if DeSantis has that it factor, if he really does have that sort of animal magnetism, that animal charisma, and if he really can go toe-to-toe with Donald Trump, stare him down, face him down, and have that connection with voters, then we might start to see a bit of a schism in the Republican Party. If. But now, what is the percentage chance that a politician throws his hat in the ring and has that larger-than-life animal charisma, what Trump has, what Donald Trump has, filling, filling auditoriums around this nation since 2015. And I will tell you this, that it is almost infinitesimally small percentage chance. It's just the rarest kind of thing. It almost never happens. And because we are so close to this moment, it's kind of easy to take Trump for granted. And just think that, oh, anybody could do that. You know, Trump makes it look easy, and that's just what any candidate would do. They can just throw their hat in the ring, and then they can start filling arenas. and They can run these campaigns that seem 
incredibly smooth and well-managed and making the right decisions and saying the right stuff, even though the media try to make it look like, oh, he's not saying the right stuff. But, oh, no, 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 no. The competence of the Trump organizations, campaign organizations, from the beginning has been astounding. And it's all the more amazing because Trump never uh, ran for office before. I mean, that was the first time. And so you'd think, okay, somebody who's been a governor or a senator or Congress, whatever, they would have more campaign skills. Maybe they could do that. So I held out a certain percentage chance, and I thought, well, even if DeSantis does have that animal charisma, he's still going to not make it. He's still not going to be able to beat Donald Trump. I mean, that's just not going to happen. But I thought, boy, that could really be divisive for the Republican Party. Of course, the way it turned out... And it became very evident, actually, from the first moment, is that, no, there was not the it factor. In fact, it was sort of the opposite of the it factor. Would you, would you call that the not it factor? And boy, did that ever come out, um, yeah, from, from those opening days of the campaign. And so it's just essentially been spiraling, spiraling downhill wasting millions upon millions upon millions of big donor money all along the way, and constant personnel crises, people leaving the campaign, leaving the PAC, one after another, the PAC, Political Action Committee, stories of infighting and all of the rest of it that have just been staggering. It's been a very phenomenally mismanaged campaign, and a lot of people are pointing out that the social media team that was assembled by a oh, certain few individuals, they uh, they came in and they were going to be fighters. They were going to be big fighters. They were going to attack the Trump people, the Trump supporters on Twitter and social media and all over the place, and boy, they ended up becoming like extremely nasty people. And, I, you know, I had my share of interactions with these kinds of folks on Twitter. Bill Mitchell is a good example. You know, Steve Deese is another good example of people that really, really rubbed Republican voters the wrong way, America Firsters the wrong way, and alienated people. And I just don't even know what they were thinking with that strategy of hostility. What were they even thinking? Again, for... For DeSantis to show up and, you know, offer all kinds of strange and groundless, groundless criticisms of Donald Trump after all those years of, like I said, sucking up to Donald Trump and begging and pleading for Trump's endorsements along the way to grow DeSantis's political career and mouthing his America first credentials and goals and policies and all that, it never seemed to sink or gel as for, so who is DeSantis anyway? Like, it seemed like he was a totally different person before he ran for the presidency. And I think people were just never quite, who is this? Who is DeSantis? Who is this guy? We thought he was this kind of person. We thought he was this way. We thought he believed in these things. But then he starts humming a completely different tune after he starts running for the presidency. And that kind of confusion... I think settled in all across the Republican primary voting base and and the rest is history. I have a few more thoughts here. 
Listen to podcasts of Backbone Radio with Matt Dunn at 710KNUS.com. Boy action from was this the 70s or was this the 80s? Oh, you got to keep it going. This bass line, turn me loose. Boy, he could flex those vocals there at any rate. Yeah, lover boy. Turn me loose. Yeah, that's that's the verse we were waiting for. The other morning, you know, sometimes do you ever have this happen? You wake up in the morning and you've got, for whatever reason, a song spinning around in your head. You have no idea why. It's like a song you have not heard in years. You just have no idea why that song is there. But I kept hearing the bass line to this song, and I was like, gosh, you know, what song is that? What song is that? And so I had to kind of dig around and search around, and finally I found it. I was like, that was Loverboy. That's what I woke up to in the soundtrack of my own head. Anyway, there's got to be some kind of a name for that phenomenon where something from like 20 years ago or however long ago, longer, is still in your head spinning around, swirling somewhere, and by whatever accident of... I don't know. Was it what you were dreaming about or the way you were rolling over at night and tossing and turning or something? And uh, there it comes, right up to the surface. Anyway, these things cannot be explained, in my opinion. The human mind is a mysterious, mysterious organism, if I may say. But by gosh, we're just trying to put a little denouement on Ron DeSantis here and... There have been a handful of folks that, you know, I've known and been close to around here, and we've been on Twitter together and tend to have a very similar outlook on a lot of things. A few folks that, you know, kind of got a little mean about this DeSantis stuff <laughs> towards me, and and I never, I never responded by being mean. I just thought, you know, hey, people are going to, you know, just do what they want to do, and I say, good, 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 good. Once in a while, I try to explain why I thought, you know, hey, you know, this is maybe not going to work for DeSantis. And that's just, you know, part of the equation. But I I do wonder, I do wonder, like, what does it mean if there's like some commentators out there who were really all in for DeSantis and really thought that was going to happen? Like, they really thought that was going to work. I mean, what does that, I mean tell you about their worldview or about their in-touchness, out-of-touchness with the Republican voting base? I mean, does it, does it make you wonder a little bit? You know, if there's just, there's just some commentators out there that are just sort of way out there, way out there, and they just do not have that connection with 
the Republican voting base, or I don't know, maybe some of them are paid to not have that. You know, that's how that's how they earn their their keep and how they earn their position in the media. And one way or another, perhaps money ends up or prestige or something, media opportunities, who knows. But let's hear this. This DeSantis says it. This is uh, earlier today, actually. This is we get the first crack at DeSantis dropping out. I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. Suspending his campaign is Ron DeSantis. And I do think this is this is big and this is significant based on, you know, what's been going on over this past year. You know, that that has been I think this was the biggest potential for the biggest rift within the Republican Party was the DeSantis versus Trump scenario. Okay. Very early on, I think we saw how it was going to play. And now I just say this, that, of course, you know, we've we've had this happen. We've had this come through. And I would just say, you know, let's let's all make sure that we are back together being friends and groovy and having a good time and putting America first. That's what this is all about. Putting America first. It's it's about saving this place and you need all kinds of different perspectives and all kinds of different peoples to make that happen and DeSantis did have the the good sense and to endorse Donald Trump and you know he, he hemmed and hawed a little bit you know and I listened to the whole thing and I, I could have been stronger could have been firmer he was still doing a little too much inserting of himself in it you know I can I can quibble but let's hear DeSantis's endorsement of Donald Trump resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. I'm proud to have delivered on 100% of my promises, and I will not stop now. It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. They watch his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare this day to attack him. Well, I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic, and his elevation of Anthony Fauci, Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackaged form of warmed-over corporatism that Nikki Haley... Okay, so that is the endorsement. I would say it's not unqualified endorsement, and it's could have been a little bit more direct and a little bit more like bold, like Vivek Ramaswamy kind of endorsement of Trump. Vivek dropped out last week right after the Iowa shellacking, the historic Iowa victory for Donald Trump. Vivek went out and then he drops out. Then the next day, Vivek's on stage with Trump in New Hampshire talking about the glories of putting America first, the glories of Donald Trump. It was kind of interesting. I was a little bit I was a little bit starting to get a little oh Vivek he was kind of putting his foot in his mouth in my opinion last week heading into Iowa but we can overlook all that we, have, we, we don't worry about that you know we're all back on the same train and so Trump sent out a very nice message saying he was very thrilled to have the endorsement of Ron DeSantis and 
That is one thing I will say. If you, if you look at how Trump's been behaving all through this primary, and I think it has been so savvy the way he has handled every individual, and he's he was rougher back in 2016. And maybe it's because he had to be, because they were all... They were all, you know, in a little bit of a tighter grouping in the polls early on. And Trump had not been president, obviously. And, man, he just he just wailed on Jeb Bush. And it was so much humor in that. Man, was that ever the funniest primary. But Trump has been quite gentle, really, with people. And he offers criticisms. But it's not this, like, over-the-top stuff. Um, He's never really gone for the jugular on any of his primary opponents. That's at least my take on it. There's been criticism, but not like 2016. And so I think Trump has always been keeping the big picture in mind and kind of expecting to be the victor in the Republican primary and wanting to make it so that people can get on board with him when, uh, you know, when they decide to uh, pull a Vivek or DeSantis and drop out, you know. And um, so I, I think that what does Trump do? I mean, it's total gracious response there. And so what, what should DeSantis be doing now? Should he become a surrogate for Donald Trump? Should he be sent out to campaign for Donald Trump? And maybe there could be incentives for him to be doing that. And he can get some rewards and, you know, have a place in the administration. Well, and you know, I don't know if I'd want to go that far. But I will say this, that would you agree that DeSantis has been looking pretty hammered during this campaign, just kind of beleaguered, kind of like it's way too stressful for him. And that, as we know, I mean, it's not easy to run for political office. It's incredibly stressful to run for political office. And how is it that Trump doesn't ever seem to let that, you know, show or show that it's just completely knocking him out or anything like that? He just seems to thrive in those kinds of environments and those kinds of stresses, which is very unusual. But most every, everybody else you see running for office, you know, they start to look like, man, they are getting pretty beleaguered that they are in maybe a little over their heads and there's all kinds of stuff going on in their own campaign backgrounds that they're finding hard to deal with and hard to manage and all the attacks and the media and how do you coordinate all this stuff. So, yeah, I think... I think somehow DeSantis was it, it was not of the and you know for his future. Are there going to be um, enough small donors to want to float DeSantis again in the future, for future campaigns, or will there be enough big donors? Which is how it went for this cycle. Are going to be enough big donors who will want to cough up the big million dollar checks to do another DeSantis campaign? And I would say probably unlikely at this point. I mean, I do think, and I think. It's going to be hard for DeSantis to maintain his governorship in Florida, frankly, and I'm, I'm worried about that. At any rate, be right back. Backbone Radio with Matt Dunn on Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710 KNUS. We were cold, kind of dream that can't be sold. We were right till we weren't. Built a home and watched it burn mm, I didn't want to leave I didn't want to lie Started to cry But then remembered I I can buy myself flowers Write my name in the sand Talk to myself for hours 
There we go. A little Miley Cyrus song called Flowers, which I do put in my vote. Sometimes we do. What do we think were the best songs of any given year that just passed? And I would say, in terms of the pop music category, Miley Cyrus's Flowers gets the nod as the best pop tune of 2023, in my humble opinion. Tell you what, she's come a long way from Party in the USA. The voice just sounds totally different. I guess, what was she like? 15, 16 years old when that first song came out? Speaking of that, what do people think of Taylor Swift these days? I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of uh, got a couple of daughters that like Taylor Swift. The power of Taylor Swift is pretty significant. One of my daughters is could take it or leave it. But another of my daughters is pretty into Taylor Swift. And I have to listen to a lot of Taylor Swift. I thought, surely, by the time my daughters came of age, that Taylor Swift would no longer be like popular and that I wouldn't have to deal with that. I think Justin Bieber is pretty well out. I don't have to deal with the Bieber thing. But we get a lot of Taylor Swift. And I, I, I guess I'm speaking a little bit negatively. And there's a few songs that are, you know, passably good pop songs. Passably. Um, but not quite. I guess she started out in the country music genre. And it's definitely not country music. You know, backbone country kind of country like we like to play around here. That's, that's not what Taylor Swift is doing. But it's going to get interesting with Taylor Swift heading into 2024 because I think there is some kind of a connection between Taylor Swift and the Democratic Party. And Taylor Swift has maybe either voluntarily or made some kind of an agreement to help register voters for the Democratic Party or promote registering and voting Democrat and even promote Biden. Um, She had a tweet, I think that was earlier this week, in which she essentially praised the Biden administration as a time where we could calm down and, you know, find some peace in this country, which is sort of a neutral, generic type tweet. But I I will, or should I call, what do you call them anymore? That is not Twitter, it's X anyway. I'm just going to stick to the tweet thing. But apparently, and you know, you go on social media, and whenever anybody like says something critical or negative about Taylor Swift, and you're seeing a whole bunch of conservatives coming out and doing this, who are not too thrilled with Taylor Swift, and you know, think, uh, okay, she's going to become kind of a partisan player in a way to try to help Biden for 2024. That, my gosh, there is like an avalanche of attacks against anybody who criticizes Taylor Swift. And I, as the father of four kids, two of whom were daughters who kind of like Taylor Swift, I I feel like just because of my family domestic situation, I better stay out of that one. Do you think that is that not courageous? I don't know. Should I just wait on out there and just go for it? I don't know, Blake. What do you think? Or should I just sit back and be mellow dad, you know? Mellow day. Well, you'd agree with that. Yeah, so I'm, I'm staying out of that. I'm just saying that expect Taylor Swift to be venturing out there into political waters. And boy, when, <laughs> when you criticize Taylor Swift on Twitter, and this has not happened to me personally because I don't do it. There, I mean, 
by the tens of thousands, the Swifties come after those people. Just go to town, ripping the arms off of whoever it was that tweeted anything with just a hint of a negative critical tone of Taylor Swift. So just be forewarned, ladies and gentlemen. And you will notice that I think, what, was it Time Magazine had Taylor Swift as, was she person of the year or was she musician of the year or whatever? And got all the Academy Awards and all that, or not Academy Awards. What are those things you get in the music industry? You should know this, Blake. Grammys. Grammys, yeah. got She got like a whole bunch of them, right? I'm not mistaken, right? She's still going to get some. And got, oh, more to come. Great. So I just submit now, is that organic? Is that organic? Is the music really that good? Or is there a way, if you're a savvy, if you're a savvy entertainer, actor, musician, whatever, that if you get connected with the people that sort of have that power to control your visibility and which parts you get in the movies and... The rest of it. Taylor Swift had a movie, right? A movie of a concert, right? That I think some in my family saw, not me. I think I, I found a way out of that one that day. Didn't didn't go to that one. Um, that you could see how people would think that would be advantageous, you know, if you're in the entertainment world to build solid bridges with the people that are the promoters and control your visibility and control. Maybe, am I right to say, you know, if you get the awards or not, if you get the Grammys or not, you know, how much airtime you get on the radio, um, yeah, how high profile your releases are in the various screens that, you know, people hold in front of them, yeah. So, um, but what if it comes down to this, though? I mean, you could, you could see that connection, and I, I, I just kind of think, no, it's not quite organic. I think it is a little bit inorganic. And, but say, you know, you're trying to breathe life into like the worst president that this country's ever had, period. I mean, just the guy who's just wrecking the place and that has no support. And we want want to talk about inorganic. I mean, Joe Biden's support, major inorganic. You You don't see sort of natural, loving, free flowing, free will. Gosh, I love Joe Biden kind of stuff. We're talking last week about people, if they ever did have a bumper sticker on their car, they probably actually went out and actively, with their own free will, scraped those things off their bumpers, painstakingly. Yes. But uh, say you're out there and you're this popular star and you've got all this fanfare around you and you've got the millions upon millions that love you and think you're the greatest person ever. And then, you know, you're trying to help this president that's kind of universally acknowledged as the worst president ever. You know, at at some point, like, are there degrees to which Taylor Swift would want to help Biden? And if she really starts to perceive that, oh, man, this guy's a loser, he makes me uncool. Do you think that's the case? I mean, does – here's the question. Would Taylor Swift risk looking uncool? If she's a big supporter of Joe Biden, right? You see what I'm saying? Can they, can the promoters, can Hollywood, can the recording industry 
find some way to actually make Joe Biden look cool? I mean, is, is that even possible? Could it be done? Could you imagine that even possibly being done? Or do you think in the end that if you support Biden, that you just kind of are just going to have to face it and that, that, you know, you lose cool points, you subtract from your cool vibe and you have to have a little embarrassment about it. Anyway, somehow I got on that completely off the cuff, the Taylor Swift scenario, segway out of the Ron DeSantis dropping out business. Let's head to New Hampshire next. What do you say? New Hampshire, Tuesday. Going to be big. Be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 